right, John, put it into perspective for me. A loss against Oklahoma City. Just a loss, a bad loss, a meaningful loss, or just part of a very long schedule? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, so I think there's a, a, a little bit of both in terms of it was a bad loss in, in the sense of you had one of the best teams in the league beaten up nine with seven minutes to go, and you really want to close those games out. Those are those are games that you really need to happen. But, at, uh, you know, on the on the flip side of it, hey, you, you uh, played really well, played some of the best defense you played all season um, at home uh, against the Thunder. You you really did keep one of the league's best offenses and most explosive teams down for most of that game. And it slipped away. So we don't want to panic on it. But I do think that it is illustrative of the season long issues that we've talked about with turnovers and how they really have to start to get those under control if they want to be a team that can go deep into the playoffs. They just cannot keep beating themselves the way they have and 21 turnovers against the Thunder. It just laid in stark relief that this is the big obstacle standing in their way that absolutely has to be fixed. Yes. Uh, another thing I want to bring up is their slow starts, or at least relatively slow starts. They had a very slow start offensively against Oklahoma City. Let's get into that trade deadline, maybe the Spolster contract, uh, roster breakdown, everything else here. This is the John Krasinski Show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services, TSR Injury Law, and Head Flyer Brewing. Uh, also want to thank everyone who listens. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. Go to talknorth.com. Find John on the Viking Update show. Find all of our other sports shows, outdoor content, and variety shows. Again, subscribe to the shows you like, and we do appreciate it. Uh, are you worried at all about what seems to be a trend of slow offensive starts for this team? Um, a little bit, Jim, but I think that the Wolves are better positioned to weather those slow starts in that they can get the defense going sink their teeth into an opponent and get back into games. Um, so ideally you're not down by 15 or 16 points in the first quarter. That was a terrible start against the thunder. They have had, as you've, as you've indicated, some slow starts, the one in Dallas, I was just, just comes to mind a few others um, that, that requires them to dig out of holes. So I, I do think that in a perfect world, they are able to, uh, come out with a little more energy, a little more intensity, execute right away and and not have to uh, dig themselves such a big hole that they have to climb out of and spend a lot of energy doing that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's as catastrophic as it would be for other teams who just do not have the defensive capability to get stops, string stops together to get back into a game. The Wolves have shown that they can um, that they can do this and that it is well within their power. And, and the league itself is just kind of built nowadays for big runs from both sides. You're going to weather them, whether you do at the start of a, of, of a quarter of the first quarter, whether it comes in the middle of the game or more towards the end, like the Thunder got them on Saturday night. You, it is kind of a game of runs. And so they have to they have to be better at kind of 
being more consistent throughout the game. But I, I that's on the list of things that I'm concerned about. I think that's a little bit lower on the list. Well, let's go back to turnovers then, because that yeah. is the obvious big problem. How does that get fixed? Yeah. So it, it, here's the thing about it, Jim, is that the start that they have had this season, 30 and 12, first in the West for the last two months, two and a half months now almost, um, it what that has done is raised the stakes of this season to an area um, or to a level that we are not used to seeing for the Timberwolves. So, you know, in the past, when the Timberwolves turned the ball over 21 times against Oklahoma City in a January game, you just lose a game and it stinks. You don't, you don't feel good about it. But in the grand scheme of things, really what you're doing, what most of these teams have been doing is kind of scratching and clawing for playoff position, trying to get into the play in tournament, trying to to lock down seating at the at the bottom of the Western Conference playoff standings. And so it those those losses are damaging for that. But in the grand scheme of things, it's just you lost a game. But now, with how good they have been, the stakes are raised. Like we have heard Anthony Edwards, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns. We've heard so many Timberwolves players talk about winning a championship. And forever and ever, that was a completely out of the realm of possibility sentence to utter the Timberwolves contending for a championship. But the by virtue of the play on the court this season, they have positioned themselves to be in consideration in that category. And so now when you do not, when, when you continue to turn the ball over at the rate they are, which has depressed their offensive rating down to 19th in the NBA, that doesn't only cost you a game in January. It doesn't only cost you jockeying for a seven or eight, a nine or 10 seed in the playing tournament and kind of basically setting yourself up for a certain first round loss against the number one or number two team in the West. What it does now is if you don't get that under control, it may legitimately prevent you from going to the NBA finals. Mm. And so I just think that that needs to be absolutely crystal clear in the Timberwolves eyes right now is that they are playing for something much, much larger than what they normally are. So how do you do it? Well, Anthony Edwards, thankfully after the game really did kind of take accountability and says, I got to look in the mirror. I have to be better at taking care of the ball. And that's what I think the first step is, is acknowledging the problem. And Edwards has typically been very good about being uh, self-aware and accountable. And he leads the team in turnovers. He had three in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma city that were killers. And the ball is in his hands an awful lot. And so if he can at least start to lead the way on addressing it, I think the rest of his teammates will follow. And it's got to start with Anthony Edwards, just making better decisions and avoiding the careless bad passes and turnovers that kind of spring uh, opponent transition more than anything else. 
Finch seems to have a great rapport with Edwards and, and vice versa. What do you think Finch is telling Edwards these days? Yeah, I think it's it's Finch and Mike Conley. You're right, Jim, um, about they they are telling um, Anthony Edwards to try and slow the game down a little bit um, that, you know, he has this desire to deliver the kill shot over and over again. He wants to be the guy that sticks a dagger in the team when when the opponent is reeling. And sometimes that works. Sometimes he makes a big three. Sometimes he barrels into traffic, gets to the free throw line. Sometimes he does drive and kick and makes the right pass. And it, and it creates another open three for his teammates. And that works beautifully. But a lot of times right now, he is, as Finch says over and over again, driving into a crowd, drawing a lot of attention, and then um, just throwing the ball away. And so what they want Anthony Edwards to do is to kind of get off the ball earlier in the possession, move it around, keep the passes kind of zipping back and forth so that it eventually comes back to you later in the clock with a better advantage on your defender, on the, on the defense, on the team defense in general. And if they can do that, then it will be a little bit easier for Edwards to see the passing lanes that are open and to not turn the ball over as much. And so that's a big point of emphasis. The other thing that they have to do for Edwards is to help him out is to space the, they have to space out on the floor a little bit better. It's been hard for the Timberwolves to get good spacing with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, both lingering around the rim. And you have Towns in the post, you have Rudy in the dunker spot, that can that really draws a crowd and and so if they can flare towns out to the corner maybe just have him out maybe beyond the three-point line uh at the at the elbow to breathe a little bit more space into the half-court offense i think that will make things easier on edwards mike conley on everyone to just not have to drive into two and three guys where um, which is where they run into trouble. Nasri does the same thing. He had four turnovers against Oklahoma City, and most of it was dribbling into traffic and then having the ball kind of stripped away from him. So there, it's not just an Anthony Edwards issue. It's an overall offensive structure issue. And I do think that that is an ongoing work in progress that Finch is trying to uh, get a handle on. And... And that, that's, you know, thankfully for them, they have another 40 games um, to go before uh, to, to work on this before the playoffs begin. But it's absolutely the thing that needs to be addressed the most, because if they can do it, Jim, if they can get the turnovers reduced to a manageable number, 12, 13 a game rather than 21, uh, all of a sudden you're going to see that that offensive output and efficiency just skyrocket because they're just losing the possession game every single game. Good stuff. I want to ask about Carl Anthony Towns and standing up. Uh, also going to ask if there are any updates here on the team sale and progress there. A lot more to get to, obviously, here. We do want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Thanks also to longtime sponsor, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. That's all you really need to know. If you want to know more, here's what more you can know. 
They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win lots of cases. That's why they're such a great success story. So if you're ever injured, you're going to want good, ethical, rapid, supportive help. And you'll get that at TSR Injury Law 612 TSR Time. Now let's hear from John on Head Flyer Brewing. Headflyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue, right off of 35W. Very easy to get to. An awesome tap room with great beers, great people that are there. They are having, in just a couple of weeks now, on February 3rd, their annual Pints and Pokes event, which is uh, kind of a, a fun outdoor beer drinking activity. They have fire pits out front. Um, they'll have some food trucks. They're going to have shot skis, free s'mores and a new beer release at Head Flyer Brewing. So if you can make it out on February 3rd, uh, it, it's always a good event. Everyone's just having fun, festive, and I think it's been unseasonably warm, so hopefully it'll be pretty comfortable out there. Um, so you can stop by there, but even if you can't make it for the February 3rd event, stop in on a weeknight. Check out the uh, the Timber, Timberwolves games. They have them on flat screen TVs. They really enjoy being a destination spot for Timberwolves, Wild Games, Vikings Games. Um, it's a very comfortable atmosphere to go to, but most importantly, just great beer that I've been enjoying, my wife and I have been enjoying for long before uh, they ha- we had a business relationship with Head Flyer. So stop by Head Flyer Brewing, tell them the John Krasinski Show sent you. Jim Peterson made a point of this on some broadcasts. He hates the fact that when Towns drives, uh, he so often ends up on his back underneath the basket and you know, even if he wants to hustle, he's not going to get back exactly on time. What's your view of that? And do you think Finch is concerned about it? Um, it well, I don't know if Finch is concerned, um, but I do know that it is an issue. Um, you know, I, I understand why Carl Anthony Towns drives to the basket with such aggressiveness and intensity. That is one of the things that makes him a very difficult player to guard is his ability shoot it from outside, but also to take his man out there, pump fake, go to the basket, create free throws or layups. He's very efficient around the rim. He's he's just got a great touch, and uh, it's a big part of what the Wolves want to do offensively. But he does have a nasty habit of going with such force that when he doesn't get the foul call, he does crash under the basket. And because... He is a bigger guy, and he's not the fastest player on the team. When he is underneath the basket, whether he makes the shot or not, the usually the 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 other team is heading back up the floor with a four on five advantage, and it takes Towns a little bit longer to get himself up off the court to detangle himself from cameras or anything that that are that are there and and get back into the defensive possession and that makes it difficult for the Timberwolves to play defense especially when it's a transition situation if he's missed the shot or didn't get a foul call or or something like that and I I mean I don't think it's uncommon for players like him to kind of to fall down as, as they go Joel Embiid does it a lot um, you know, I, there, there's just a bunch of uh, guys, especially big guys that when they're going to the basket, they can hit the deck a little bit. But one thing that I think a lot about is Nas Reed used to do it all of the time. It used to be a real issue for him as well. He has reduced it and cleaned it up a little bit over the last 
you know, over this season for sure. And even at the end of last season as well. So it can be done. It can be addressed. There has to be just a little bit more control going to the basket because there has to be a realization that when he does go down, he is putting himself and his team at a disadvantage. And the final part of this, Jim, is that there has to be a little bit of realization from Towns that he just does not get the same foul calls that some others do get. Is it fair or not? It's probably not fair. Um, But that's the reality that he is in right now. That is the world that he inhabits. And so there's got to be adjustments made for the way the game is being called on him. He maybe should get more calls going to the basket when he does get knocked down, Um, but he's not getting them right now. So you have to adjust a little bit. You have to keep your feet and allow yourself to get back into the defensive uh, play a little bit earlier and a little bit sooner. Otherwise, um, it does hurt them uh, when they when they try to get set up in the half court because they're so good in the half court defense that um, when they are compromised, it just gives the opponent such an easier time to to get into their offense and 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 get some buckets. Anything new with the team sale? Well, so um, at the end of December, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez exercised their option to buy the last chunk of the team that they need to get a majority control in the in the team and i think there was some misinterpretation uh with some other reporting out there that when they exercise that option that okay this process is is done with now they'll go to uh to ownership approval uh to board of governors approval and and it this will just kind of uh, be the final piece that they needed to do to uh, to take control of the team. Technically, they still have to pay the money by to Glenn Taylor by the end of February, early March, and cut that check, and then they will go through that process. So it still has not officially had taken place the passing of the baton, but everything is on track for that to happen. Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie have been at most of the games lately. Um, there you're starting to see even more kind of, um, initiatives that they have helped shepherd to, uh, to, to kind of get their fingerprints on this franchise. The latest just happened on Monday as we're recording this, where there, there was an old, the old Hubert's restaurant, um, at in, in target center, right on sixth Avenue there, uh, or excuse me, sixth street, um, you know, that that used to be open to fans and has been closed for a long, long time since the pandemic is going to be repurposed now for next season as a premium club for more premium seats. And that's um, that's just another revenue driver that that they are kind of overseeing and trying to to maximize the revenue there. They are absolutely deeply involved in trade conversations and in, um, in looking at what is out there to help improve the team this year. And so they are continuing to operate as if this whole process is going to be completed this spring sometime, but they still have to go through the final um, hoops in terms of the big one of cutting the check and then being approved by the NBA's board of governors so that everything kind of proceeds as expected and as planned. And they are the official majority owners of this team. But 
the, that process is still ongoing, hasn't been completed, but everyone is is operating as if that is uh, a certainty and it's just a matter of time here. I'm sure we'll get in the premium uh, restaurant just for a press pass, right? No question, right? I mean, everything. Yeah. About, I, I'm just hoping that. I mean, it's how I know, got a it's how I got a speeding tickets to it. Show me the press pass. <laughs> I, I'm just hoping, Jim, that we continue to be allowed to watch games in the arena. Who knows what the way yeah, that, that these arenas are going these days? That media will be watching from across the street at O'Donovan's or something. Enjoy it while you can. Although I guess I'd rather watch it at O'Donovan's. It wouldn't know. be a bad I mean, spot. I'll I tell mean, you that. I, I kind of like both, all the time. but you know, I, yeah. I can bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. We're flexible. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about a team that doesn't have too many flaws, but could probably use one more ball handler, especially somebody who would help them cut down on turnovers. Trade deadline's coming up. Do you see this team being aggressive and can it be aggressive uh, with its lack of draft choices and capital right now. Yeah, I mean, they they don't have the the capital, to your point, Jim, to go out and get, you know, Zach Levine. Um, and, and not saying that they would that that's a name they would be interested in, but let's just throw a, a big name out there for right now. But they A, don't have the capital, and they B, have certainly some financial constraints going forward with Towns and Edwards and Gobert and McDaniels and all these guys making all of this money. So... Um, my sense is, is that they absolutely are gauging the market. They, this, this is not a, a front office, Tim Connolly and Matt Lloyd and Dell Demps and, and Sasha Gupta and everyone there, they, they're looking at this team and it's not a case where they, they believe that, Hey, we are completely set and totally fine. If we keep these guys together, we'll just kind of get everything, uh, get the turnovers ironed out. And, and we don't have any issues to really address in terms of roster construction. I do think that they would like to either add another ball handler behind Mike Conley because, A, they play a ton of back-to-backs over the second half of this season. So having a, another real point guard to kind of take some of the load off of Mike Conley before the playoffs would be great. And, B, as we saw on Saturday night, Conley – played just terribly and that never happens, but he had a bad game and it, and it, so he was one for 11. He had three turnovers, just wasn't working for him. Not a get, not illegal. Um, certainly his worst game since being traded to the Timberwolves. He's been so reliable that it happens. Um, and, and, and you, you, you have to expect it every once in a while, but we just didn't have not seen that. So in those cases, it would be nice for the Timberwolves to have another option to go to. That is another playmaker, organizer um, type of a player who can step in and say, all right, Mike, we're going we're gonna to cut your minutes back to like 24, 25, uh, 23 today and, and, and go with it and see if uh, another guy can, can help us out here. Um, so that's one. The other area is just like a second scorer off of the bench, preferably a three-point shooter that would be able to kind of inject some three-point volume into this team but mostly just at least a bucket getter. They want Shake Milton to be that guy. He has not been that guy to the to this point. So I think they are looking hard at those types of positions for their second unit. And um, you know, what they can pull off, it remains to be seen. Uh and and we'll see if they if they can find the right deal and find the right fit, but I do expect them to continue to be aggressive and looking for options and possibly pulling the trigger on something if they find it that that can fit because 
they know that they do have a few things that they can shore up that would help them and solidify their ability to go deeper into the playoffs than this team is currently constructed to do right now. It was on KTOE and Mankato earlier this morning. We're talking on Monday morning here, and one of the one of the hosts said, you know, regardless of win or lose, watching the Wolves play Oklahoma City is a treat. And what a great playoff series that would be. Uh, great coaching, ball movement, offensive skill, offensive cohesiveness. That, that was that was really good basketball. It was fantastic, Jim. It was it was a playoff type game um, with two incredibly talented teams that do it differently. They have their success differently. OKC is smaller. They spread you out a little bit more. Um, they run a little different stuff. Minnesota bigger tried to be bully ball, and they it was really working. That's that's kind of the thing. Like I know that there's frustration with. Uh, them not being able to close that game out and losing that game. But okay, Oklahoma City is one of the three best teams in the West, without question. And the Wolves really did like control that game for much of you know the second half of the first quarter all the way into the second half of the fourth quarter. And they exerted their style of play on the Thunder they played incredible defense to frustrate them and they were in position to win that game. It did not work out. It was frustrating to watch it, but from just a pure entertainment standpoint, it was great, great basketball. It was great theater. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing more and more of at target center. As we said at the start of, uh, of this pod, when the stakes are raised, that it brings a little more pressure in terms of, Hey, you gotta, you gotta address some of these things because if you do, you can go deep into the playoffs and maybe even to the finals, but also just to have these games mean so much in January is so refreshing. Like you could tell as both of these teams were going at each other, they were doing it and saying, we are the two of the top teams in this league. And we are trying to prove to each other that um, we belong at the top. And that sort of energy in the regular season is uncommon in target center. And so um, it's, it was great fun. It was a great game. It was messy, sloppy, intense, all of those things. Um, and, and I think that I would sign up for a first round, second round, third round playoff series against those guys and just buckle in and be ready for one hell of an entertaining time. No doubt about it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Wolves have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, too. All right, let's get a final thought from John on anything he likes, uh, world of sports or non-sports. Uh, do me a favor, check out Dawn Mitchell, uh, Dawn of Sports, her show, her new show on uh, Talk North. She's done a great job uh, highlighting women's sports, but also a lot of her connections like Jim Cott, Mike Tirico, uh, Chad Greenway, Brian Robinson, all those people. Anyway, check that show out. Check out John Krasinski and myself on the Viking Update Show, a writer's view of the Vikings and their current predicament. And thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. John, final thought. Yeah, just one final thought on to wrap a bow on the on the Thunder Wolves game on Saturday. Um, it was just really cool to, and it's been cool for much of the season, to look at the standings and see fresh blood at the top of it. Uh, these are two franchises that have been down, 
uh, that have either been rebuilding or struggling um, for much of the past several years, in the case of the Wolves, even longer. Um, and, you know, in the East, it's Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia at the top uh, of the table. And they have been there for the last several years. Um, in the West, Denver is still right in the middle of it, and they won the championship, obviously. But you see Minnesota, Oklahoma City, the Clippers have come back into it. The Pelicans are are right there. I like the 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 newness and the freshness of it. You know, the Golden State Warriors are down, the Lakers are down, um, and 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 it's just nice to see uh, different teams from different markets, from not the glamour markets, have success, be at the top, and see kind of the fan base is following through with it, and also just the larger league starting to pay attention. Anthony Edwards is really becoming a talking point around the league. You're hearing Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins talk a lot about him um, being one of the next faces of the league. So some of that attention is coming to new places with the Thunder and the Wolves, and uh, and that's, I think, a good thing for the league. No doubt about it. Uh, It's been a blast. It's continued to be a blast. Thanks to all who listen. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.